0: what is going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the clubhouse chatter podcast i am your host ian aka PageFan 5 on instagram no special guests no nothing just me this week um all-star break that happened recently the celebrity game was amazing very high scoring home run derby was electric julio rodriguez got off hot he had over 80 home runs in his First ever home run derby, which is incredible. That is just incredible to do. Because the second player all time for most home runs was also in the derby, Albert Pujols. He actually made it past the first round, beating Kyle Schwarber in a tiebreaker. It's incredible. A lot of people say it was rigged. Schwarber had an extra ball that went out. That they didn't count. I'm on the fence. Can't really decide between the two. If it was rigged or not. But. Pools has 106. Going into that derby. 106. Which is the second most all time. And in one derby. Julio Rodriguez already. Got over half of that. And. And. On his way to the final, Rodriguez also took out Pete Alonso, the two-time reigning Derby champion, which is also just incredible to do, especially all as a rookie. And if you take a look at Julio Rodriguez's stats, he has just been amazing this year. I mean, he leads the Mariners with RBIs with 52, he leads the team with home runs, tied for that, with Suarez, with 16. His batting average is a 275. He's scored 53 runs on the year. He also has 21 stolen bases. He is an all-around great player. Great at, great at feeling, great at hitting, great... He's fast. I mean, he is an all-around well-balanced player, and he could be a threat to this league in a good way for many, many years to come. And he's also been a big part of that Mariners team and how they went on that humongous win streak. They've cooled down since as they're on a three-game losing streak. They're still 13 games out of first in the AL West. Speaking of standings we're going to go to the standings right now. Houston, of course, first at 64 and 32. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. They've won five straight. Houston has been amazing. Way better than everybody thought they would be this year after losing Correa. All of a sudden, Jordan Alvarez just pops off. I mean, it's just been incredible Houston and how they've been doing it and just the fact that they've kept doing it. And then we go to the AL Central division leaders with Minnesota. The AL Central is one of the weakest divisions in all of baseball if you really look, take a look at it. Their best team in their division is worse than the second best team in the AL East. One game ahead of the second best team in the AL West. Worst than the second best team in the NL West, one game ahead of the second best team in the NL Central and worse than the best second best team in the NL East. I mean, they their first team is worse or one game better than the second place team slash Yeah, just second place team in every division. And actually, in the AL East, they're a half game ahead of the third best team. I mean, that's just incredible how that's like that. But it is. Or sorry, no. The Rays are actually a half game ahead of the Twins. So the third best team and second best team in the AL East is better than the best team in the AL Central. So tell me, how is that possible? It, It's just incredible. They are... The Twins are good within their own division, but they are terrible elsewhere. And then you go to the AL East division leader, the best team in all of baseball, statistically, at this point, is the New York Yankees. They are 5-5 five and five in the last 10. They're coming off of... A win today against the Orioles. But last night, they actually lost to the Orioles. And had people wondering, are the Orioles really legit? Not as much anymore. They did lose. But they're back on the 500. But the Orioles really, after that win streak, started to pick it up. And they're playing. They're playing 500 ball. And if you look at the wildcard things, they aren't that far out. But the Yankees have a kryptonite. So far this year... The Yankees couldn't beat the Astros. They really couldn't, and it's, like, almost inexplainable. It's just incredible how this happens to the Yankees. Like, they're having such a great year, but they can't beat another contender, which is something they need to be able to do. I mean, it's just incredible how... And they've gotten no hit. By the Astros too. They were no hit by the Astros. Then they went a whole nother... Seven innings. Before they got a hit in the next game. I mean... You get no hit. Then another seven innings... Before you get a hit. So that is a total of 16 innings of... No hit ball. And then finally the Yankees decided to strike back. And they got... Six runs... In the final, or sorry, three runs from the seventh inning to the ninth inning, and then they got three more in the tenth on a walk-off three-run shot by Aaron Judge. But overall, it's just they cannot beat them. They are two and five on the year against the Astros so far, and if they want a legit shot at making it to the World Se- World Series. They're going to have to find that way to beat that Astros team. Because the Astros are coming for the Yankees. They aren't that far back anymore. Moving on to the NL West now. 63-30, LA Dodgers, the best team in the NL West currently. And they are red hot. 9-1 in their last 10 with a 7-game win streak. That is just incredible. Dodgers always doing good. They've been doing good for years. I can't even remember the last time that they were not good. And they just keep it going. There's still a stacked team with Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner. Clayton Kershaw is pitching amazing. I mean, that, that's only half the names on that team that are good. Not even. So they're just going to keep it rolling. They're probably going to win that division pretty easily. Ten and a half games ahead of second place, who's the Padres. They're just going to keep it rolling and rolling and rolling. And you never know. They're just, they could go all the way again this year. I know everybody says, oh, the Yankees and Dodgers probably going to meet in the World Series every year. But there's always that one thing that happens to one of them that stops it from happening. Sometimes even both. Like the Dodgers. They made it to the World Series in 2017, 2018, and 2020. They won it in 2020. Meanwhile, the Yankees made it to the playoffs in 2017. Lost in the ALCS to the Astros. Made it to the playoffs in 2018. Lost in the ALDS to the Red Sox. Made it in 2019. Lost in the ALCS to the Astros. Made it in 2020 to the playoffs. Lost to the Rays in five games by Michael Brasow. I mean, in the ALDS. And then last year, Yankees make it to the playoffs, make it as a wild card, and lose to the Red Sox. Their biggest rivals, and it's just painful to do that and put your fans through that. And Yankees fans have a tendency to expect excellency. You have 27 World Series rings, you have the most World Series rings, most championships out of any team in the history of American sports. But yet, you haven't won one since before the 2010s. Heck, you haven't even been to a World Series in that long. It's just incredible how they've had such good teams, but they always somehow find a way to fail in the playoffs. And the Dodgers, same story for a long time, and then they finally found the promised land for a year, and then the next year they just threw it all away again in the NLCS. But that Braves team was just different last year. It was an amazing team. And I will say, the Dodgers had a bit of bad luck in 2019 also. They faced a red-hot Nationals team that ended up winning the whole World Series, just like the Braves did, and the Nationals really just couldn't stop. So, once again, both those years, they just kind of got screwed by two teams that were red-hot at the time. So you can't really do much about that. And then you go to the NL Central. Of course, I talked about with Milwaukee. That division's just screwed up. It's just... And a decent amount of teams aren't bad, like half bad. Like, Pittsburgh, yes, 16 games under five hundred. actually. The division's not that great. But it's still better than the NL Central. Still better than that division. So that doesn't take much. Although, actually, looking at it, never mind. The AL Central is worse than the NL Central. But we'll get to that later. The New York Mets are the division leaders at the current moment of the NL East. It's practically just the Mets and Braves, and then it's just everybody else. As the Mets are a game ahead of the Braves currently in a heated battle. Earlier today, however, the Braves did lose to the Angels very, very badly, but it's just it is what it is. That's going to be a tough battle to the end. Now, the Mets, it's looking like they're slowing down with their offense, they haven't been able to hit much recently. Um, as in the last game, they lost one to two, they lost one to four in the game before that, and heck, even before that, they lost to the Cubs three to two. I mean. Their pitching has been at least decent most of these games. Like, it's been enough to keep them in it. Besides maybe that 4-1 to one loss. Their pitching has been enough to keep them in it. It's just their hitting hasn't shown up yet. And it's like in previous years where the second half of the season comes around and all of a sudden the Mets can't hit. Their pitching can still pitch. Their closers, it's a bit iffy with. Like, their starting rotation, they're some of the best in the league still. In the, after the All-Star break. They still keep their form, they still do amazing. Some of them get hurt, they come back. DeGrom just gets hurt, throws one, comes back, throws one pitch, gets hurt again. I mean, it's just the story of DeGrom. But that's why they went out and got Scherzer to replace DeGrom for when he gets injured, and also when DeGrom is not injured, so Scherzer can be the number two guy or the ace and keep rolling through. But what they really, really need is to find a way to actually be able to hit in the second half of the year. They have hitters. They just need to find a way to get those guys to actually hit in the second half of the year. But... I mean, it's up to the players if they can hit or not. Right now, the Mets currently don't even have one in the top of the second. They went three up, three down in the bottom of the first against the Padres. But hey, it is what it is. So now we go to the wildcard teams and then we'll get back to the rest of the divisional teams. And in the NL, the three wild card teams are the Braves in first place. They're seven games ahead of the third place team for the wild card spot, the first wild card spot. San Diego, who is fifty four and forty two, who's three and a half games ahead for that second wild card spot, and then St. Louis rounding it all out with a fifty one and forty six record. They are a game ahead of that third wild card spot for that war third wild card spot and then rounding it out in the hunt and I'm only talking about teams that are within like five games Philadelphia one game back a record of 49 and 46 Philadelphia can really get in there they they can they have the ability at the trade deadline, a lot of people that are Philadelphia fans would love to see them trade for a bullpen. They, Their biggest problem in the past couple years has not been hitting. It is the exact opposite. It has been fielding and their bullpen. The, even their rotation is good. They have Aaron Nola. They, sorry. Aust, no, it's Aaron Nola. My bad. But yeah, they have a good rotation. They also have Zach Wheeler, who's been amazing. He had a... Bad stretch on the Mets for a tiny bit of time. They dealt him to the Phillies, and all of a sudden, bam, Zach Wheeler is a great pitcher. Um, And sorry, I skipped over the Padres and the Cardinals, actually, like, briefing down them. The Braves also. The Braves, they started off the season without Acuna. So, you automatically, and Freeman, Freeman left. Freeman went to the Braves, or the Dodgers, sorry. But they started the season off without their best player in Ronald Acuna. Their best young guy, he's been amazing for them ever since he came into the league. But you want a team that lost their best player due to injury and lost one of their other best players due to them leaving. I mean, what do you expect from a team after that? Like, do you expect them to win as much? No. But ever since Acuna came back, they've started to get better, picked up their act. They're 58-39 and 39 now, and they're set to be in the wild card. They're first place in that by seven games. And over second, they're first place by three and a half. So, honestly, I would say I'd fear the Braves in this postseason, and they can even win the division. So, there's that. Then the second team is the Padres, 54-42. and 42. I mean, the Padres, they've been playing without their best player, into Tatis are questionably their best player. He got in a motorcycle accident a while back in spring training, hasn't played. He's somewhat fine. He's still injured, of course, but they've been playing without him. So the fact that they're in this wildcard spot is impressive to me. We'll see if they get better or worse when he comes back, and the only reason why I say they could get worse is there was a bit of chemistry problems happening in the late end of last year after the Padres had that division second wild card spot locked up, and then all of a sudden, the third-place team of this year's wildcard went on an 18-game winning streak to get in there and sneak their way in there and then lose to the Dodgers, but I mean it's just brutal. And they got so frustrated. They started bad-mouthing, badmouthing each other in the dugout a bit, but I think the the um I think it's all fixed. Everything's fixed between the players, but there could still be something. You don't know. But we'll see when Tatis comes back. A lot of people are saying it's likely he will come back this year, but if he does we'll see if the padres are better with him or worse with him and if he doesn't then i guess we'll never know until next year but moving on to the cardinals 51 and 46 um honestly what can i say best defensive team in baseball by far i mean they've been so good with so much like Almost every single one of their players that's in the field literally play, literally has a gold glove, which is, in case uh, some of you don't know, that is a award for best defender at s- certain position. It's given out to every position, like there's even a pitcher award for it, but it's basically just saying you're the best de- defensive player in your league in for your position. So it's very incredible that all this stuff has been happening and all these teams, and they've gone through a bit of things too. Pools has been playing all right. Molina's been playing amazing. Wainwright's been playing good. Like, things are coming together for the Cardinals. It's just something isn't completely there, and it's kind of their hitting. Their hitting hasn't been as good as it could be. It could be so much better than it is right now, but it just, it's fading a tiny bit and then just coming back. But it is what it is there. It is what it is. So moving on to the AL side of things, or sorry, still on the NL, I forgot. There are two more teams that are within five games of the wildcard spot. The Giants are also there, two games back, 48 and 47, 5 and 5 in their last 10, on a four game losing streak. Giants, what is going on? I mean, you go from winning the division last year over the Dodgers to third in your division, one game over 500, losing by a lot to the Reds. Yeah, don't think we forgot about that 3 to 10 loss to the Reds at home back in June. I mean, what is going on? They got swept. They just got swept in a four-game series by the Dodgers after winning 3 of 4 against the Brewers. I mean, they are very spotty with their season. They lose a series to the Diamondbacks. They get swept by the White Sox, then they tie a series with the Padres, win a series against the Diamondbacks, win a series, a four-game series against the Brewers, and then get swept in four games by the Dodgers. And none of the games were really that close. They lost every single game by at least two runs. They lost the first game, six to nine, second game, one to five. Third game, two to four. Fourth game, four to seven. Their pitching has been atrocious. And that's coming from last year with their pitching being some of the best in the league. I don't know how, but it's gone full turnaround and has gone to one of the worst pitching staffs in the league. It's just... It's sad how they're in this position. I thought, honestly, starting this season off... I thought they would be contending with the Dodgers once again for that division spot. It's kind of giving me feels like it's last year's Padres where I went into the season expecting the Padres to contend with the Dodgers, contend contend with the rest of the league, and then they fully implode. It gradually implodes. Until the end where it fully implodes. We aren't at the end of the season yet. But it's looking like the Giants are going to go that same route. And are going to gradually. Gradually implode. Little by little. Until the end where they will finally. Fully implode. And. Quote me on that. Quote me on that. Call me. Say I mean. Oh. If I'm wrong I'm wrong. If I'm right. Then, I'm right. I mean, it's a prediction. Predictions are wrong all the time. And so, if I'm wrong, doesn't matter. If I'm right, then cool. But yeah. So, moving on to the Marlins. 45-50. and 4-6 in the last 10 with a one-game win streak. I mean, if you told me that the Marlins would be a playoff team in 2020... I would say you're crazy. They made it. 2021. They didn't. They actually had a kind of disappointing year. This year, some people thought they would have a better year than last year. And so far, they're just really decent. That, that's like all I can say. Like they're playing almost 500 balls, but they're playing just a tiny bit less. Like, if you take a look at their record, it's five games under 500. And then you take a look at their last 10, they're four and six in their last 10. So they're literally playing, like, just barely under that 500 threshold that they need to be playing at. If they want even the slightest chance to make the playoffs again, they need to be playing at at least that 500 threshold by this point in the season. You can't. And they're close. They are close to that. I will say a lot of these young teams that have prospects and teams that we thought would be bad for years, a couple of them have actually shown out recently. Like the Mariners, the Indians, sorry, the Guardians, my bad. The Guardians, the Orioles even. I mean, you look at all these teams and... They're just showing up all of a sudden. And then you look at the Marlins who have been at about the same exact stage for who knows how long. And all of a sudden, they're going to trade those guys away that are on their team right now. And all of a sudden, once they go somewhere else, they're going to be great. It's happened in the past. Stan was already good before they traded him. I will say, Stan was already great before they traded him away. But then you look at J.T. Real Muto. A solid guy when he was with them. Turned into a great catcher for the Phillies. I mean, and that's just one of the examples. So, you can't really say, like, that they're going to improve. Because their prospect system isn't all that great. It's good, but it's not all that great. But, once again... Is what it is. But let's look up the uh, farm system rankings really quickly. I mean, the farm system in previous years hadn't been that good. But this year, it actually picked up a lot, and they're at three. So all of a sudden, the Marlins are at three. So their prospect, they're going to be coming up in the next couple of years. Sorry, I'm completely wrong on my opinion there, I will say. They're probably going to be coming up in the next couple of years. Like the Orioles are coming up right now, and the Orioles still have players in the minor league system that are ready to come up. The Marlins will be coming up in the next couple of years, assuming they don't do what they always do in shipping away people. If they ship away everybody... Then they're just going to be right back at square one. The problem with the Marlins is, for years and years, they just thought it was just a business. They didn't think of it as the aspect like, we want to win. If they win, they win, and then they just get rid of everybody the next year. They win, they win one. They don't win two in a row, they don't win three in a row, they just win one. They can win one and sell everybody. That's all they do. And it's been done for years. They build players up. They maybe win a title or go on a title race. And then they sell them all. So, and recently it hadn't worked. So, that's all it is. Moving on to the AL side of things. This, there's a lot of teams to cover. First of all, you have the Blue Jays, who are two games over that first place spot. They have their first wildcard team at 53-43 and 43 on the year. The Blue Jays have been amazing. If you look at the last couple games and right before the All-Star break, you look at right before the All-Star break, they were good. Until, if you look at the final week, they were good. Great even. They went 5 and 1 in that final week. Sorry, 5 and 2. Then you look at right before that. And they went 1 and 9. They went 1 and 9 from July 2nd to July 10th. Or sorry, to July 9th, 1-10 if you go from July 2nd to July 10th. And then they picked it back up. They picked back up their form. So a lot of people thought that the Blue Jays this year would be contenders with the Yankees for that first, wild, for that first AL East spot. And then you look at the standings, and they're second in the division. Like, if you look at just the standings and not the games back, you look... Oh, okay, they're in contention. They're in contention with the Yankees. They're close up there. If you don't look at the games back in the record. If you look at the games back, then it's 12.5 games back. So, not much of contention there. Um, Looking more like the NL West. And, uh, yeah. And the AL West. So, yeah, doesn't really matter. They aren't doing much. To get there but they can still make it in in the wild card that's all they they can make it in the wild card that's probably the top that they're gonna get so i'd love for a team in the al east it doesn't matter which one i'd love for a team in the al east to prove me wrong and say that the yankees aren't gonna stay up there but they will nobody's catching the yankees unless they played 50 games against the astros in a row Nobody's catching the Yankees. So yeah. Then you go down and you have the Rays. 1.5 games up over that third wild card spot. A half game behind the first wild card spot. 52 and 43 on the year, seven and three in the last ten, two game losing streak, both games to the Orioles. Or sorry, the Royals. And I will mention another thing for the Blue Jays. Eight and two in the last ten, winning streak of six games. Um, but for the Rays, they've had a bunch of injuries. Franco has gone down a couple times. Kiermaier's gone down a couple times. They're pitching. They don't have Glass now. They don't have McKay. They don't have Chirinos. Chirinos hasn't pitched in a long time. McKay, I don't even remember the last time he pitched. And then Glass now won't be back the rest of this year, most likely. He's still on that injury from last year. So there's that already. And you have, the Rays have just been underperforming really. They they haven't performed as well as people thought they would. This is not the Rays that a lot of people know and have known for a couple years. But they're still in a wild card spot. How? I don't know. But they are in there. If they get their players back and their bullpen decides to fix itself, they really have something going. Because if you look at McClanahan, and Jake gets on me all the time for talking about McClanahan. He hates it when I talk about McClanahan. But if you look at McClanahan and look where he ranks among... MLB pitchers. He ranks first in ERA. He ranks, this doesn't really matter as much in the Cy Young race or anything, but he ranks fifth in wins, which means that he makes an effect on the games he pitches. He doesn't give up many runs. The Rays don't have to score as much. So the Rays can win more with him pitching. He's tied for fifth with a bunch of people for that title. Then, strikeouts. He is fourth in the league in strikeouts, but <coughs> Burns has pitched more innings. Cole has pitched more innings. Like, let's see. Cole has pitched more innings. He's pitched 119.1. Burns has pitched 118.2. Cease has pitched 110.2, and so is McClanahan. Cease and McClanahan. Cease is the closest guy to McClanahan in the strikeout race. He has pitched the same number of games. McClanahan in his next start will pitch more innings than Cease. But he's only 7 strikeouts behind. And McClanahan has pitched less innings than Cole. And Cole has 153. Burns. More innings than McClanahan. 2 more strikeouts than McClanahan. McClanahan can easily catch them with the strikeout rates. So, then you look at the batting average against... Also, best in the entire league. Whip, best in the entire league by .08 over Justin Verlander. I mean, you look at him and you see he really has been great this year. And it's just incredible to see how good he has been. So, yeah. And sees also... Has given up the most walks out of everybody in the league. But yeah, it's just incredible. And that's who the Rays have as their ace pitcher right now. And that, that's a pretty good thing to have. That, it's giving me, shoot me for saying this, giving me Jacob DeGrom vibes but doesn't get hurt. So that's what that is giving me. Then you go down to the Mariners. Mariners, wow. What a run for them. And I say what a run because of the fact that it's over now. They have lost three straight to the Houston Astros at home. They play Houston again in a four game series after playing Texas at home for the next three days. But they just went off last year. They didn't lose a single game from the span of July 2nd to after the All-Star game. That is just incredible. And heck, even before that they were still winning. They were gradually getting up there. They were just going and going gradually and gradually. After having a terrible start to the year. They just kept going up and up, and no one knew when they were going to stop. They finally stopped, and the Blue Jays and Rays took advantage of it. But the Mariners really definitely took advantage of what they were doing while they were going up. But they're 51 and 45 with 7 and 3 in the last 10. I covered them a bit earlier with Julio Rodriguez. And so now we move on. We move on to Cleveland, the Guardians. The Guardians really took me as a shock candidate to be decent this year. And the reason why it was a shock candidate, because after last year and the year before, it looked to me like they were somewhat imploding. Like the year before, yes, they made the playoffs, but they didn't do much. And then last year, it looked like they were going downhill completely. They gave away Lindor, they gave away a couple other guys. I mean, it looked like things were going downhill for them. And then all of a sudden, they pick it up. Jose Ramirez playing amazing, Hughes playing like an MVP candidate. I mean, they pick you up. Uh, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, two games back, 48-46, and 46, and they're on a two-game losing streak. But definitely be fearing the Guardians, because they could sneak into the playoffs and cause some havoc. Then you go to a team like the Red Sox. They still have not won a series against an AL East opponent. Yes, I say still. They lost the series to Toronto, including a nice, small margin of 5-28. to 28. They were doing so, so well before they had to play Toronto on June 27th. Then they lost that series. Then they lost the next to the Cubs. Then everything went downhill. They lost two out of three to the Rays, and by everything went downhill, I meant even more. They lost two to th- two out of three to the Rays on the road, or sorry, at home. Lost two out of th- two out of four to the Yankees at home. That is the first time this year that they had actually, and only time, that they had tied a series with an AL East opponent. They lost four straight to the Rays on the road. Then. Two out of three to the Yankees on the road. And let's just look at the scores of the Yankees games uh, when they lost to them on the road. Five to four. Okay, close game, close game. You you played your heart out. You played your heart out. One to 14 and two to 13. What is going on? And then right after the All-Star break, you're like, okay, we get a break. We have some time. Calm down. We We can think about this. Pam, well, 5-28 to 28 to the Blue Jays. You had a guy in the dugout making a fruit cocktail from the other team in the 5th inning who was playing. He was making a fruit cocktail during a game that he was playing in. I mean, do you not just look over there and see him doing that and not get mad? And if you got mad, then you got like a little kitten mad. Like, you couldn't do anything. That was probably the most incompetent game I had ever seen. Especially when Bobby Dahlbeck gave up that inside the park grand slam. What happened was, Dahlbeck lost the ball in the sky. It landed behind him. After that, after it landed behind him, after it hit the fence... And it didn't even take a weird bounce. He just left it there. He left it there and the left fielder had to run all the way through to get it. I mean, if you look at it, Dalbeck messed up so many times in that one clip. And then the next day they lost 1-4 to and then after that, 4-8 to today. I mean, it's just pathetic. You were in the wild card first seed by like, two or three games at one point and now all of a sudden you're not even in a spot you're three games back of the third wild card spot you are 1 and 9 in your last 10 with a five game losing streak how are you doing so bad against the AL East but if they don't play the AL East, they're really good. I mean, they just can't win against the AL East and that's their big problem. All right, moving on. We go to the White Sox. The White Sox also have been ridiculed by injuries this year. It's like as soon as they get a player back, they lose them all over again. They're back to 500 now at 48 and 48. They're also 3 games back. And they're 6-4 in the last 10. Or sorry, 7-3 in the last 10 with a two-game winning streak, including winning today. Um, but it's very impressive what this team has been doing. They, With all the injuries, fighting and fighting and fighting them off, they've been surviving. They've been playing 500 ball. And if they get those players back, they could be a contender and could really put a threat up for that division lead and maybe do something in the playoffs too. Last year, they got a taste of the playoffs. Most of those players on that team had never even been to the playoffs. So they got a taste of the playoffs last year. This year, same injury stuff happened. So they really, really just got screwed. But now they have a chance to really taste the playoffs and really just go at it. And now, I think that they can really just make it. I think that they can go on and on. And if they make it this year, I think they have a chance to definitely win a at least a round. At least make it to the Divisional Series. That's what I think they can do. Alright, moving on to the final team that we will be covering. Which is the Baltimore Orioles. 47-48 and 48 on the year. games back, 6-4 in their last 10, and a one-game losing streak. The Orioles, oh my god, did they come out of nowhere. They just brought up Adley Rutschman, and all of a sudden, their problems were fixed. It was incredible. They would get walk-off after walk-off after walk-off, and I mean, wow! How good they have been recently. And I say that as they're one game under five hundred, But that is the best the Orioles have really just been in so long. Like, I don't know when the last time that they were this good was. Like, it's just incredible to me how good they have been. And honestly, they could maybe make it to the playoffs this year. All right. So, the next thing up is a bunch of rumors. So, a rumor. Rivals believe that the Cardinals are a potential frontrunner to trade for Juan Soto. Soto to St. Louis. Wow. What a stacked team that would be. And I was talking about St. Louis and how they need some hitting. Bam! There's Juan Soto. Home Run Derby champion for you. I mean... And he's a great defender. So you're getting the whole package right there. You're getting a great player, great batting eye, great hitter, great fielder, good speed. I mean, you're getting the whole package. It's a great deal. So there's that. There's that rumor. Victor Robles, after Bumgarner called him a clown after hitting a home run, decided to bring out a clown nose earlier. It was pretty funny to see. Then another rumor, the Yankees are serious contenders for the Royals' Andrew Benatendi. The Yankees could pull off another mid-season trade to grab a good veteran player. So, honestly, that's a good move for the Yankees. They get a solid player in Andrew Benatendi. Helps them more with their hitting and their defense. So, that could definitely be something that helps them push more and more towards that World Series, like... They could really, really get there. They could get there, but there's still stuff that's weighing them down. And it could just be me thinking, oh, it's just the Yankees. They'll find a way to blow it. But I feel like there's still stuff that's there that's just a tiny bit weighing them down. But most of it is the Astros that they can't beat. That's what I think is weighing them down. Because they can't beat the Astros, then they can't make it to the World Series. Because they're going to most likely have to go through the Astros... To get there in the ALCS. So they will need Andrew Bennett a player like Andrew Benatene to help propel them past the Astros. Then the next rumor. Well, Quan Soto, it's just he is gonna get traded. That that's all. That's probably practically the only thing. Yeah. And then of course, covering the All-Star game just a tiny bit. The American League won for the ninth year in a row, winning by a score of three to two. It was an incredible game. And just yeah. Hesley threw a pitch that was Ryan Hesley threw a pitch that was one hundred three. Nestor Cortez had a bit of fun with his wind up again in the all star game. But yeah. Defense from the AL was amazing. Stan hit an absolute amazing home run. The All-Star game was just a fun thing to watch this year. It was just great. That's all. And ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of the Clubhouse Chatter Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you all in the next one.